This is Structured Rambling, a podcast about ideas from literature and about literature. Episodes can focus on a single text or a theme from multiple texts. My name is Paul Sonsby. Welcome. In his memoir on the craft, On Writing, Stephen King mentions how he spent a lot of years feeling guilty about writing what he did before finally just getting over it. Stephen King is one of the best living writers. Yes, the likes of Salman Rushdie or Michael Andachi or Margaret Atwood may be capable of higher literary art, but they're also very tough to read at times. I respect Rushdie a lot but I also feel like I'm working when I read anything by him. Stephen King does not feel like work, and not because it's dumb, but because it's pleasure. Stephen King has broad appeal because he's so good. He writes what it means to be a human being better than almost anyone right now. He simply feels that he must apply that talent to horror and fantasy for the most part. In On Writing, he says he had to get over it and just enjoy what he did for what he did and not worry about what he wasn't doing. I'm glad. He's the best. I'm currently reading his latest fairy tale and really loving it. I might do an episode about it, but not today, though. Today, I'm talking about Metallica. I spent years feeling guilty about how much I like Metallica. I'm done with that. I'm done with it completely because like Stephen King and the heebie-jeebies, what Metallica does, they do well. Best, I'd say. This sound is either good or bad to you. And to me, it's really quite good. I do not recall how well I knew Metallica before their mainstream success. I'm pretty sure I'd heard of them, and maybe I knew a song or two. That sounds likely. But I was only 13 when I got a tape of their fifth album, The Black Album, one of the biggest selling records of all time. It rocked hard, and I clearly remember hockey warm-ups charging out to the opening of Enter Sandman. I listened to that album a thousand times, and my friends and I worked our way backwards from it, accumulating the prior four albums, which were more thrash, less commercial, but still very good. turns out the Black Album was their sellout album. Metallica's problem has always been its fan base. In in 1983, they began as a straight-up thrash band, a technical grandson of progressive rock with the attitude and charm of punk rock, but more talent. On their second album, Ride the Lightning, there's a sort of power ballad, 
but it's about death, called Fade to Black, which is one of their best songs. Um, it was then, and it's still now, but it was even at the time reviled by the pure metalheads because it was soft at first, and there was even acoustic in it. Anything but a manic pace with a double kick and screaming vocals is unacceptable to the traditional thrash fan base. Acoustic guitars and lyrics branching from death and war are just, they won't do. There's a small C conservatism to thrash metal fans. In fact, a lot of hardcore metal fans from the 80s are now wearing mega hats. Huh. I'm basing that on nothing. I just, a couple of examples in my head popped up. Anyways, Metallica's fan base is the most traditional metal fans. Toxically masculine, resistant to change, uh, suspicious of experimentation, and rampantly homophobic. I don't fit. But I like Metallica's music, so help me. I don't even really like the band as individuals. Lars Ulrich and less frequently James Hetfield can be two of the biggest D-bags in music. But one thing they do is love and hear their fans. Unfortunately, their fan base is too diverse to keep universally happy and they've never as a band been celebrated by critics. Most people will probably say that Metallica's best album is 1986, Master of Puppets, even before Stranger Things reawakened that song to the public. And it's a great, great album, as close to a concept album as they ever got, and the best example there is of mainstream metal perfection. What's mainstream metal? Well, metal with actual singing, as opposed to the Cookie Monster voice of uh, other branches of metal, of true metal to the purists. Many think Master was Metallica's best moment, but they only, and those people will say that they only went downhill from there, but I disagree. But it was a turn of the page because their original bassist, the great Cliff Burton, easily the most creative member of the band at the time, was killed in a bus accident uh, touring for Master. Metallica's three sort of epochs have three definitions of, of who they were because, well, the music is kind of different each time, but it's also defined by a bass player. Metallica's had three bass players, bass players suiting their sort of three epochs. Um, each other member has remained the same, including Kirk Hammett, one of the best lead guitar players ever up there with Page, Hendrix, and Slash. He's just a genre player. Thing is, for those purists who think that the Burton era is all that mattered, I don't think it would have lasted even if he'd have lived. He wore bell bottoms and listened to Skinnerd. In his spare time, he played guitar, not bass. He would have demanded, I think, greater experimentation, and Metallica would not show themselves ready to do any kind of experimentation for another decade. Instead, after Burton died, they recruited Jason Newstead on bass and made an album where bass can't be heard and justice for all. It's a pretty great metal album with their first genuine hit in one, their first video hit um, with a pretty metal ending to it, but it was their worst sound mixing ever. 
the tone on the majority of the songs is the same. The guitars sound identical. As good as the playing is, the, when it's not acoustic, then everything sounds the same. And the drums are very tinny on that album. And it was their fourth album. After four albums, plus a, 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 an EP, um, and nearly a decade of thrash, the band decided to evolve, growing beyond having the stupidest name in all of rock music, learning to play well rather than simply playing fast. And this especially affected the drumming of Lars Ulrich. And it made the madly popular Black Album possible. And I don't think many of us realize who is the most responsible for the Black Album. It was a smashing success that made them superstars. It had shorter songs and studio polish because of producer Bob Rock, who I think more than anybody Metallica can thank for being one of the biggest bands in music. It had ballads like Nothing Else Matters, and it had an absolute love affair with MTV, which helped alienate the traditional thrash audience. But the band had evolved. The guys with mullets and Coors Light t-shirts refused to evolve with them. Metallica, for those guys, had become sellouts. And then they released no new music for half a decade, and this allowed their massive new fan base, people like me, to discover and fall in love with their back catalog, their thrashier earlier stuff. When in 1996, they finally released Load, it couldn't possibly meet everyone's expectations. Instead, it basically ticked everyone off. Everyone. The five years built the anticipation up a lot, but other things happened in that five years too. In 1991, when the Black Album was released, Metallica and Guns N' Roses and their ultra-masculine excesses were the biggest bands in the world. The subsequent five years saw rock dominated by grunge, bands with lots of talents but with a punk attitude, bands unafraid to sing about their feelings or their moms. Metallica and GNR looked like dinosaurs and were glommed, undeservedly, in with glam rock and the excesses of the 1980s. Load, and then the following year, Reload, were met with confusion. Many thought the band was pandering to the grunge elements, and the videos that went with it, they, they didn't help. Short hair and eye makeup and a stripped-down kit from the biggest metal drummer in the world. There really wasn't very much metal about this Metallica. But I'll come back to this era in a second. I paid no attention at the time. When the Black Album came out, I was in junior high, and by the time Load was released, I was in university. I'd grown up, my tastes had changed, and I wasn't listening to Metallica anymore. But, as one did in this era, I still watched much music, and at the same, at some point... Um, later on, a couple years down the line, some point around like 99 or 2000, I saw Metallica do their S&M concert. It was Metallica performing with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. There's nothing original about a band performing with an orchestra, but there's nothing bad about it either. The Stones have done it. Page and Plant of Led Zeppelin has done it. The Tea Party has done it. It's cool. It sounds good with the right band, and with Metallica, I really freaking enjoyed it. And on a whim, I bought the double CD. 
and I listened to it on repeat for a couple of years. It made me rediscover and re-fall in love with Metallica at a new point in their career. And so I went back and I grabbed the the excellent covers album Garage Inc. And then I finally decided, you know what? I grabbed Load and Reload. The terribly named Load and Reload. But I loved them. And here, no matter where you fall in the spectrum of Metallica listening you are, is the most controversial thing um, you're going to hear me say. This, the Load Reload S&M Garage Inc. Metallica, is my favorite. These are their best songs. To true Metallica fans, this is blasphemy. To their detractors, I must be making a joke. This is also the band who at the time was having a very public old man grouch with Napster. I've said it. I don't like the band themselves. I don't like their fan base. But I do like their music. And that Load Reload era showed how good they can be. They experimented. They used different sounds, different techniques, different effects on the guitars. It was the perfect blend of blues and metal. And it, it showed how diverse they were. There are beautiful ballads like Mama Said, an acoustic song exploring a catharsis of dealing with your feelings towards your mother. There's some traditional rock and hard Metallica like Fuel, but these are good, good songs with a lot of diversity. It is, of all of Metallica's stuff, the most re-listenable to-ish. Never end a sentence with a preposition. The hardcore fans hated it. The critics accused them of pandering, dressing like Dave Navarro. You can hear the, the validity in these complaints. But Metallica's greatest failing is they listen to what people say. They hear the critics and they hear their fans. Very few mus- musicians do that. And it's rarely a good choice. In 2002, James Hetfield had to deal with substance abuse and Jason Newstead left uh, or was possibly forced out because the band um, wasn't recording soon enough for him because I guess James Hetfield was dealing with cleaning himself up. Newstead was replaced by Rob Trujillo, I think is how I'm saying it. He's, he's just Latino, and I'm not 100% certain on the pronunciation, but I think I got it. And he may actually be a better bass player than Cliff Burton. Unfortunately, he doesn't bring much in backing vocals, and how, how much he creates in the band isn't as clear. Um, Hetfield has grown in style vocally, but he's never had much help. Uh, mostly just guys who grunt and groan and in the background, right? And Hetfield's not the greatest singer ever, but at least he's diverse. In 2003... Hetfield, um, he took the band back into flash, into thrash, single-handedly forcing the cathartic Saint Anger album on them. The, the fans got metal Metallica back, but it isn't the right kind of metal, apparently. The album is almost universally reviled, and I've never felt that's fair. It's not awful. It's just tedious. The two greatest flaws... Um, are the much-complained-about sound of Lars's flipped snare drum, uh, which sounds like he's banging on a 50-gallon drum. But to me, that's not the worst thing about it. The worst thing about the album is the fact that Kirk Hammett, one of the best lead guitarists ever, doesn't solo once on the album. 
this is the Hetfield album, the James James Had to Change album, and it would have been better served as just a song or two. And and they very rarely play any of those songs live. Um, one of them they've retooled as an acoustic song. Once again, Metallica listened to their critics after the failure of St. Anger, and they decided to try to capture their old glory, completely pandering to the people who loved Master of Puppets. They decided to try a return, for better or for worse, to the sounds of the 80s. They have released three albums since 2008. One of them just last month. 72 Seasons, it's called. All three of these are pretty good. They are, they are on the extra heavy side with depressing angsty war death suicide sin lyrics gone are the introspective lyrics and experimentation of the load reload era they give their fans what they want they have become a metallica nostalgia band metallica are first and foremost entertainers and like it or lump it they have a great frontman in james hatfield he knows how to do his job There are people in music like Mick Jagger, Paul McCartney, Lady Gaga, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day who are just meant to be on stage appealing to the demands of 10,000 people all at once. And Hatfield is one of those. He stopped trying to do anything fancy, which which is too bad. But Metallica has joined the ranks of the great touring bands like the Stones. You get what you pay for. These are bands who give the fans exactly what they want and how they want with no surprises. I know what to expect when I listen to Metallica. I don't expect to have my mind blown ever again. I expect some high-quality, well-produced metal. Metal, as a genre, is very self-absorbed, very judgmental, very niche. Metallica hasn't been genuine heavy metal for more than 35 years, but genuine heavy metal is pretty hard to listen to. I'm rare in that I really dug this band when they tried the weirdest things, but despite having, still, the stupidest name in rock and roll, Metallica is always pretty good. I want to thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed my podcast, please feel free to give me a rating and review. Episodes come out at the beginning and middle of pretty much every month. Have a great day.